This is the Baymo Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we look at the multifaceted dialogue and the many voices found within the prophets that represent the battling perspectives found in the world of God's people as they attempt to respond to the effects of exile. It's a good sentence right there. It's We, we worked on it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this podcast. This is kind of the, we're going to have one more podcast to close out our capstone lesson next. Um, but this is one that I added to our schedule because I just really wanted to talk about this. So we'll see how this goes. Um, but this podcast comes from an idea that I gleaned out of that book. Here comes that recommendation again. This is probably the last time we'll have to do this. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? Session three. Here, we'll see. But Walter Brueggemann, out of Babylon. Um I need to get one of those little bellhop bells to just I can <laughs> smack that every time you mention Walter Brueggemann. <laughs> it really wasn't that. Uh, it didn't have the same presence in my last rounds of Bay Mob. But the more I've learned from that work and continue to wrestle with it in my learning, the more it's just really shaped the way I've seen the prophets and what to do with it. And so out of that book, I took this idea that I want to work with today. Um, and... Uh, and it's really meant something to me, and I feel like it starts I'm, as I as I begin to teach it better. It's starting to teach my students better and better. So, in order to do that, I want to ask you to employ a, an image, a metaphor. Uh, close your eyes, if you will. You know, you don't have to do that. You're listening to a podcast, especially if you're driving. Um, you're imagine a table, you know, a dining room table, uh, maybe not a modern. Imagine an ancient table, and there's a meal set. Not a huge, elaborate feast. So there's a small, nice meal set at this table, many different places. And uh, this table is set during the Babylonian time period. Um, it's during the Babylonian conquest, the Babylonian exile. We looked at a lot of these voices, got voices like uh, Jeremiah or or uh, Isaiah, Zephaniah. We might even include people like Ezekiel and Habakkuk or even Job would be uh, that period of history that we looked at in session two. But there's a table here, and and uh, it's a Babylonian table set during the Babylonian period. And, and into the room walk those names that I just mentioned. Into the room walks Isaiah, and he takes his seat at the table. And uh, maybe across from him comes uh, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, and they they take their seats. And uh, next to them comes in Ezekiel, and he sits down. And across from Ezekiel comes Habakkuk and Job. And all these characters that we've looked at, they come and they sit around the table, and and uh, uh, they they bless the Lord. They utter their meal blessing. And they all begin to eat. And And the question gets posed. I don't know who brings it up. Who do you think brings it up, Brent? Probably Isaiah. Probably Isaiah. Good choice. He brings up the question, what do we do about what do we do about Babylon? What do we do about this whole Babylonian mess? What do we do about the exile? What do we do about this time period? What are God's people in light of Babylon and what Babylon has done to us and where we find ourselves? What are we supposed to do? And this conversation ensues because there are differing perspectives. Um, And Brueggemann will point this out in his book. These prophetic voices all see the issue of Babylon from different perspectives. Isaiah, if he were to chime in, he he might say something like, well, what do we do? But I'll I'll tell you what I think. And Isaiah's narrative is a narrative of uh, we need to stand for something. As we sit in Babylonian exile, we need to stand for the right thing. 
We need to stand for what God wanted us to stand for. We need to stand for God's way and God's justice. We need to stand in the face of empire. We need to stand resolute. And you know what that means? That means we're going to have to suffer. And I think of Isaiah 3 in the suffering servant discourse. Like I, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Third Isaiah, not third Isaiah, Isaiah 3. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. I think of that third voice of Isaiah. Um, and, uh, and and the the, the 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 servant discourse, and I think of Isaiah saying, you know, we got to stand and we got to we have to fight this empire, and we got to stand publicly, and we're going to suffer for it. But if we'll suffer in Babylon, we're going to come out on the winning side of this. But but across the table sits uh, Ezekiel, and, and then there was Habakkuk and Job, and they have a different perspective, and the three of them kind of. I don't know if they gang up on Isaiah, but they're like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not the best way to do this. You're just fighting an uphill battle. Ezekiel, Habakkuk, Job, they might, they might say, exile is your, is your home now. It's your new home. We don't like it. We don't want it. Babylonians aren't right in God's eyes. Their way isn't the right way. But listen, we're here in exile. We don't need to fight. We need to get used to it. We need to learn what to do with it. We're going to be here for a while, so let's just learn how to live here well. But but then across the table from them sit Jeremiah and Zephaniah, and they're like, ah, I don't, I don't, man, I don't really see it that way at all, you guys. I I, I feel like um, we need to restore our relationship with God. Remember what the word for Zephaniah was? Um, shuvah. Shuvah. Yeah, and Zephaniah might be like, I think we need to shuvah, guys. We just we need to repent. Like I don't. We don't need to like worry about exile and figure out how to live here. And, and we don't like standing and fighting. That's really not the point. If we don't, if we don't shuvah, if we don't come back and Jeremiah might say, Jeremiah might agree. He might chime in and he might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zephaniah is right. We've broken our covenant relationship with God and, and God wants to restore that covenant. It's really not about staying or leaving or fighting or, or it's just about, just about being right with God. You, you know, if you, if you just focus on being right with God, you can, you you can forget about everything else because everything else, let God worry about that. You just make yourself right with God. Around this table, this Babylonian table, would be all of these voices. And when asked the same question, they would have all kinds of perspectives. And this reminds me of, Brent, earlier in session two, when we talked about source A and source B. And what were, what were we talking about when we talked about that? What was source A? So source A is kind of the headlines, current perspective. Which Bible you know, books? Uh, so we had Amos and... Not quite Amos. Go before the prophets. Where oh, did we, where oh, did we oh, run I'm into sorry. source A? Source A originated from Samuel and Kings. Samuel and Kings. And then we had source B. Which was the book of Chronicles. And, and you said uh, source A was like agenda-driven headlines, but Chronicles was... It's a documentary perspective. It's looking back on the events and and reassessing them. Right. And I remember when we talked about that, what did we say about which one was right, Brent? Neither one is right. Neither one was right. Like they were both accurate, but they were just different perspectives. There was a, we, we talked about how there was an ongoing dialogue in the text, a tension that the scriptures were wrestling with. Is it obedience and morality or is it injustice and empire? Like what way do we look at it? And we suggested that one kind of rose to the top, but we definitely tried to begin to introduce this idea that there was a dialogue going on. I want to point out in the prophets that the same thing is happening. There is an ongoing dialogue in the prophets and different perspectives in the biblical narrative that as readers of the Bible, we have to wrestle with. And for me, this is super, super important because we like we were, we were taught how to read the Bible as a codified list of things that we're just supposed to do. 
Like the whole Bible is just a read the Bible, do what it says. But that understanding of the scriptures is not honest, it's not accurate, and it doesn't do justice to the power and the beauty that is packed even in the period of the prophets. Because the period of the prophets is not one singular voice all saying the same thing. There would be, I don't know if disagreement might be too sharp or too harsh, but there are differing perspectives on how to see the problem that sits on the table in front of you. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's kind of the traditional (laughs) way of looking at it. Yes. But that's not how it is. God presents attention and asks us to wrestle with it. Right, right. And that would be very Jewish. Like the last thing a Jewish perspective would do is say is to say, God said it, that settles it. They would say, God said it, and now we all got to wrestle with it. Um, in fact, I don't know if I said this on an earlier podcast. Peter Rollins tells a parable about two Jews, and they're arguing about some issue. Uh, did I already share this story once already? Uh, it doesn't sound familiar yet, all right. but... All right. So so two uh, Jewish rabbis, they, they argue every single day about this issue. Uh, and again, I heard this from Peter Rollins. I don't want to take credit for it. Um, but uh, they argue about, I think it comes from the Talmud even. Um, but they argue about this issue every single day, and, and God's so tired of it. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to go down. I'm going to settle this argument. I'm going to tell them the answer to this issue. I'm so sick of listening to these two rabbis argue about this issue. So God comes down and he enters the conversation, he enters the room and he says, listen, guys, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you the answer to your issue. And both rabbis in a rare moment of unity turn towards God and they say, who do you think you are settling our, settling our argument? You get yourself out of here and you go back to heaven and let us argue about this because to the Jewish mind, the power is in that ongoing wrestling match. And uh, if there's something that I want us to take away from this podcast, it's that I want us to really grasp the power of coming to the text with open hands every single time. The study of the Bible is not about figuring out the right answer. The Bible is more alive than that. The Bible is not just a book intended to point the one road that you have to walk. The Bible is a story of God's people figuring out how to rock, how to walk the many different roads that life and its different its different circumstances uh, and contexts provide us with. And we find ourselves in all kinds of different roads. So, in order to make that point, let's go to one more table. We got used to the Babylonian table. Let's let's clear clear the table in our mind, and let's let's go to a table maybe. A century, century and a half later. Let's go to a Persian table. It's no longer the Babylonian time period. Same idea, though. Similar setting. Similar meal set in front of them. And, uh, and into this room walks some different characters. Into this room walks uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah. And into the room walks Malachi, and he sits down. And then uh, in, into the room comes Esther. And maybe Daniel, which we'll talk about that in just a moment. Like you put them in the wrong period. Hold on just a second. And they come in and they all sit down around the table. Similar question. It's a different context, though. It's not the same thing. The Babylonian exile is much different than the Persian. I don't know if we, we don't even call the Persian exile exile. It's just the new Persian order. So the first question and the first table was about a bunch of people arguing about Babylonian exile. But now the question isn't about that. It's what do we do about Persia? Is Persia... Okay, is it bad? Do we need to leave? And Persia doesn't have them in bondage the way Babylon did. Exactly. Persia interacts with them completely differently than Babylon did. And so uh, and so uh, somebody asked this question. 
we won't pick a prophet. Maybe this time it's a, it's a servant that comes in to fill up some a glass with wine. He says, hey, hey, you guys, what are you? I see you're all here. I know you're all kind of learned people. What do you think about Persia? And he scuttles out of the room, dropping a little bomb on the table, discussion bomb on the table. So everybody starts to chime in. And the first uh, the first voice is by, by far the largest group at the table. I think there's four different people here. There's Ezra. There's Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah, he's really passionate. Like he's, he's getting really worked up. He's like slamming the table because he's really, Ezra's trying to calm him down. He's trying to be like, hey, you know, let's let's just talk about it. Let's have a big meeting, town hall meeting. We're here to have dinner. Relax, Nehemiah. I don't know if anybody appreciates my humor there. We talked about Ezra being the pastor and Nehemiah being the prophet. Uh, then you got Haggai uh, and you got Zechariah. Uh, and these are guys that are going to have a particular agenda that Brueggemann talks about in his book. Their agenda is we're going to return and rebuild. We're going to return and restore. Their agenda, what do we do about Persia? We have the opportunity to go back home. We return and we restore. Uh, it's it's going to be hard, but we can do it. Is it worth doing it? Yes, it is. Is it worth rebuilding? Absolutely. We're going to go back home. We're going to get, build God's house. We're going to restore the walls. We're going to restore Jerusalem. We're going to go back and we're going to rebuild. That's what we're going to do about Persia. But across the table sits uh, sits Esther and maybe Daniel. Um, I know we put Daniel in which, which period of prophets? Exilic. Exilic, right? So we had Daniel in that period of time, but I also hinted at the fact I think Daniel was written a lot, lot later. Scholarship will say Daniel's really not just a historical record about a guy named Daniel in Babylon. Maybe there was a guy named Daniel in Babylon. Um, it's very possible. Uh, but the word, the name Daniel means God is my judge. And most scholarship says Daniel was written much, much later. Um, after the story of Hanukkah and the Hasmonean revolt, and now you have the temple back, and Daniel is written not about the Babylonians, but Daniel is actually written about the Greco-Roman world, which would be a great parallel to Persia. So I put him at the Persian table. He has a very similar uh, agenda to Esther. We talked about how Esther was written not for the Jews that went back home, Brent, but for who? For the Jews who stayed in Persia. The Jews that stayed in Persia. And we talked about the shrewd wisdom of Esther in our last podcast. She had this unbelievable wisdom to know exactly what the context called for. And she was not here to assimilate. Daniel is not suggesting assimilation. Esther does not suggest assimilation. That's not why you're staying in Persia. You are not staying in Persia to bow down to the uh, to the, the the image of Daniel. You're not staying in Persia. Remember Daniel, he prays anyway. He doesn't bow down. He gets thrown into the lion's den. Daniel very much resists empire. So does Esther. But they resist it by having a shrewd wisdom of knowing how to live in the midst of it. Honor the king, but with a shrewd subversion. Esther and Daniel honor the king with a shrewd subversion that subverts the ways of empire. You don't stay in Persia just to enjoy Persia. You stay in Persia to engage Persia. You stay in Persia to influence Persia. You stay in Persia to bring shalom, order to the imperial chaos. You're staying there in order to make a difference. That was the narrative of Esther. And so as Ezra and Nehemiah and Zechariah and Haggai, they're all getting worked up about, come on, guys, we're going to go back home. We're going to rebuild. Esther and Daniel go, no, wait, 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 hold on. No, no, we're not. If we go back home and rebuild, we just abandon Persia to their horrible ways. We're going to stay right here and we're going to make a difference right here in Persia. 
and maybe similar to Jeremiah of the Babylonian time period, you have somebody like Malachi kind of sitting there by himself and he's going, wait, guys, it really doesn't matter if you stay or if you go, if you go back home and rebuild. Like if you don't restore that relationship with God, if if you don't, I think he's different than Jeremiah though. It's not just about covenant relationship with God. For Malachi, it's about obedience. He says, I don't care if you stay and I don't care if you go, but the one thing you better do is you better obey God. You better not rob God. You better not dishonor God. You better not give him blemished offerings and sacrifices. You better obey. Stay in Persia, that's fine, but you better obey God. And go back home and rebuild, that's fine, but you better obey God. And that's Malachi's voice. And so around this table sits, again, just like the Babylonian time period, different perspectives about how to deal with their context. And Brueggemann says, this is the table that you and I in 21st century America we have to wrestle with that Persian table and look at those narratives because we don't, we don't sit in Babylonian exile. We sit in Persian, we sit under a Persian order, under a Pax Romana of our own. We sit, that's more fitting to our context. And we have to wrestle with these voices and figure out which is the voice that we need to embrace as 21st century believers in our own American context. And he says, and I totally agree that the voice sitting around the Persian table that we need to embrace in our context is the Esther Daniel voice of what he calls accommodation and resistance. We have to figure out how to accommodate the world around us. But as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, we have to resist that. Uh, and, and he wrote this book years ago, long before any of this Trump stuff and the resistance movement started. He wrote this years ago, long before that. Um, so it doesn't have that cultural, he's not trying to play into some cultural agenda. He, he said, in our American world, we have to resist this imperial narrative. We have to live in a world, accommodate that world, but all the while shrewdly subverting it and resisting it. But the thing that I really want us to take away, A, a I want us to pause right there and just wrestle with whether or not we agree with Brueggemann. And if we agree, we need to go back into those narratives. We need to go back into the book of Esther and go, wait a minute. What does that mean? What does the narrative of Esther and the story of Purim mean for living in America? That's a good enough conversation by itself. But then I want to back back out and I want to reassert something I just said a few minutes ago, which is it's not about which voice is right. Because there are contexts where maybe if you weren't living in 21st century America, you would need to embrace the voice of, um, say, Ezra and Nehemiah, the, the whole return and restore narrative. I think about our brothers and sisters in Egypt, believers in Egypt or Libya, who are literally being killed, slaughtered, or churches are being burned to the ground. Everything you try to do in the name of Jesus gets met with violent opposition, murder, strife. And I can imagine them asking the question, is it even worth it? Is it even worth, after another church, another Coptic church is burned to the ground, is it even worth trying to rebuild? And I can imagine in their world embracing a, re, a, 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 a return and restore narrative. Like, yes, it's worth rebuilding. Rebuild that temple. Rebuild that church. Rebuild that uh, community. Rebuild the people of God. Y you got to hang in there. I, I think of the narrative of Zechariah, the apocalyptic literature, that apocalyptic message to bring hope to their present day. I can imagine a place where you would embrace that narrative. I can imagine a place where you would embrace an obedience narrative. A Malachi narrative. Uh, I think of our brothers and sisters possibly even in places maybe like certain parts of Europe 
where they don't live in the similar context that we live, sociopolitically or culturally or anything else. And maybe their narrative that they would embrace is a narrative of obedience. Like whatever you do, whatever you go, whatever your call is, obey, uh, follow God. But in our unique context to embrace this accommodate and resistance and to come away from this conversation realizing the scriptures represent this ongoing dialogue. It, it is not, and I'm just going to start repeating myself now, so I need to say this and be done. We are not called to read the Bible and just figure out the right answer. We are called to read the Bible and realize it is this living, God-breathed, we say inspired dialogue where God's people are continually, to this day as they wrestle with the text, wrestling with what are appropriate responses based on our understanding of what the mission of God, we said the Torah was all about the word partner. If we are a partner with God in his mission, what does the mission of God demand in our context? And and this is what I, I wanted to call the prophetic table. If we can start engaging the scriptures on this level, entering into an ongoing dialogue rather than just trying to decipher and exegete the propositional answer, uh, it's a powerful thing. The scriptures become a a compelling, empowering device that compel us on how to live and make decisions and engage the mission of God. It's good stuff. Good way to end session two. We're never done wrestling. No, we're not. We got one more. We got a capstone conversation coming up. We're going to review where we've been in session two, and we're going to uh, talk about instructions on how to move forward because we got, we got three more sessions left. So we need to go from session two into session three. All right. Well, um... No discussion yep. groups. Pretty, Not right now. Pretty pretty straightforward situation we got going on here. Yep. Uh, just go to baymontdiscipleship.com. Uh, you'll find everything you need to know there. Uh, if you need to catch up on past uh, past podcasts, it's all there. Um, you can uh, contact us. You can find discussion groups uh, around the nation. Actually, around the world now. We're international. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that, that happened a few weeks ago. We added, uh, we added a group up in Canada. That's right. Pretty exciting. Yep. Had to expand the map a little bit. That's right. So, yeah, thanks for joining us on the Bama Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.